Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. As we wrap up another week, we thought we would be uh, talking about a lot of things happening here at the end of the week, but we're actually now talking about things that haven't happened yet and are going to get pushed into at least next week. We thought we might have that handshake deal between the U.S. and Mexico on NAFTA to talk about. That's on hold yet. They're going to keep talking. Things still look good, I guess, between the U.S. and Mexico, but uh, they're trying to figure out how to get Canada in there. Uh, we thought we might have the Ag Aid Package details today. That's going to be coming on Monday, it looks like. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, a little bit later on. Soybeans figured, Soybean farmers figured to get the biggest piece of that Ag Aid pie. We'll talk about that with Ryan Finley. And uh, we're also going to keep our eye on the situation with China because even though they were low-level talks with some low expectations set by even President Trump, the fact that uh, really they, they, they ended the talks without anything seemingly getting accomplished or any uh, advancements uh, has to be a concern. So we're going to be talking about that as well. Also, t- speaking of concerns, uh, hospital closings across the country, especially in rural America. This is a, a situation, a crisis that's been building for a number of years. We're going to talk with uh, Maggie Elawani with the National Rural Health Association about that and what they're trying to do to address this this uh, very important issue for to provide health care for people across the country, especially in rural America, where already it's a challenge for some people to get to uh, a health uh, provider or to a hospital when, when needed. So we'll talk about that. All right, so that kind of sets the stage. Whether we're talking about what has happened or what is yet to happen, let's bring in our good friend Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks for joining us. We don't quite have the news today we thought we were going to have, but uh, let's kind of wade into some of this. First of all, the China talks, low-level talks, but they didn't seem to get much done. Even and President Trump said he didn't expect a lot done, but is this disappointing to the trade, to the markets? Well, I... I don't think anybody really expected that there would be a whole lot. Talking is better than not talking, and I think uh, President Trump was correct to to lower the expectations. Mexico, on the other hand, when they said, oh, we're, we've got an agreement, we've got an agreement, they basically gave us an edge in the negotiation. So you never want to give the edge to the other party and make it sound like you're eager to get some type of an agreement. Uh, I'm glad they were here talking. Uh, there may have been more progress than what was reported. Um, but overall, I would be highly surprised if China made any significant moves toward an agreement before the midterm elections. That's their big trump card, if you will, um, in these negotiations in this trade war. And they're not about to give up the House or concede anything until they see if President Trump is weakened in his negotiating position by the midterm elections. The, the situation in China with the African swine fever, does that open up an opportunity, even with tariffs, to move more U.S. pork into China, or will they look elsewhere if they need it? Well, I think they'll look elsewhere, but that still benefits U.S. pork producers because there's, you know, a limited number of amount of pork uh, produced elsewhere that they can import. And so if they're importing from another competitor, that means that competitor is not meeting demand to a customer, and that customer comes to us. As we talk to our buyers 
in China. They say the government is warning them not to do business with the United States, even if you're willing to pay the tariffs. So there's kind of a fear of going against the government. So I don't think they want to do business with the United States out of that fear. But it would still be positive. It, the negative side of it is it's demand destruction for soybeans if this is as bad as what it possibly could end up being, but certainly positive for pork. And as that spurs more pork production in other parts of the world, then that just shifts where that soybean demand is at. Now, on NAFTA, it still looks good, I guess, between the U.S. and Mexico, but they're really trying to get Canada back into this. Uh, what do you see there? I think Canada will come back. Uh, the United States, would, well, Mexico would uh, certainly like to bring Canada in right away. Uh, U.S. would like to sew a few things more up before Canada comes back in. Canada basically said straighten out uh, or come to an agreement on the auto parts issues and then we'll come back. So I, I think there will be pressure for them to come back. And getting an agreement with Mexico would be big. I think it starts to put a little bit of pressure on China. I think it's a real positive going forward. You know, are we hours away or days away from an agreement? Both sides seem to be giving the signals that we're very close. It'd just be nice to have it in hand. On the ag aid package, now it looks like Monday we'll get the uh, the details, but it looks like the majority of that $12 billion pie will go to uh, soybean growers. Certainly so. There's been various rumors about different amounts that might be in that package, how it might be distributed, and we'll get the facts on Monday. But uh, I think that there's no question that they tried to target soybeans, and soybeans have taken the brunt of this yet. Not to minimize the, what we've seen in the way of a sell-off for corn, um, but uh, soybeans are what has really faced, uh, got the focus here. And I think President Trump wants to make sure and shore up the support of soybean farmers, doing anything he can anyway to try to do that ahead of the midterm elections. Pork and dairy perhaps also will see uh, some support there too. Absolutely. And uh, pork in particular, um, certainly like to see an agreement rather than money, but they'll take the money in the absence of an agreement, particularly with prices falling so sharply. They have this cash market just been in a free fall, and, and uh, they could certainly use a, a, a boost of a little bit of cash coming in here. Arlen, uh, any surprises from crop tour numbers uh, coming in? I mean, obviously it looks like overall it's going to be a big crop. I, I think one of the surprises is that the pod counts are so high on soybeans. Uh, not that I thought it was a short crop, but uh, I think they beat almost anyone's expectations of what the potential is for this crop. It uh, looks like soybeans are a big crop getting bigger. On on corn, a lot of people focusing on the t tour routes versus USDA. It's the wrong way to look at it. It's tour route versus year ago. Uh, the difference is a year ago we still had some uh, grain fill period left, and this year we're further along in maturity, so we're probably closer to, to where we're going to end up on it. Uh, I would anticipate, I don't, I don't have any inside track here, but I'd anticipate that Pro Farmer would come in with a, a corn number a little bit below where USDA's at, uh, but their soybean number will be interesting to see because those pod counts are pretty big. we still got to fill them, but they're big numbers. Quick market uh, outlook through harvest. Um, well, overall, I think we're consolidating in here today. We're getting some support in the crude oil market for the broader commodity sector, and that's starting to take some of the major commodity indices to break out of the downtrending channel that they've been in all summer long. 
We tried that once before back on August 7th, but if we can hold this, we might bring some more money into the commodity sector as a whole and provide a few tailwinds for the ags as we go forward into this early harvest. All right, Arlen, I know you got to go. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. All right. A little later, we're going to talk with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, get his thoughts on this aid package that is going to be announced on Monday and looks to be, um, for the most part, uh, most of it's going to go to soybean growers. We'll get his thoughts on that, what he may be hearing on that, and we'll talk some trade issues as well. But coming up next, hospital closings across the country. Very serious issue, especially in rural America. We're going to talk about it with Maggie Elawani with the National Rural Health Association. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
case, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, if you live in rural America and you have a hospital somewhere near you, you are fortunate because a lot of people are not that fortunate uh, in the country. I want to talk about that with Maggie Elowani, National Rural Health Association Government Affairs and Policy Vice President. Maggie, thanks for joining us again. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation, Mike. Okay, we've talked about this for some time. It seems to be a situation getting worse, not better. Sadly, you're exactly right. In fact, there seems to be sort of an uptick um, over this summer. We lost, in just a few weeks' period of time, three hospitals, three rural hospitals, one in Georgia, one in Texas, and one in Missouri. So you're definitely right. The problem seems to be escalating again, and it's due to a whole host of reasons. But really... What's being left behind are rural communities, farmers, ranchers, rural patients that don't have access to an emergency room. The situation really seems to be getting dire. Yeah, it's a situation not only do, and most importantly, people lose the health care facilities that they need, but also when you look at a hospital and the economic uh, engine that is for a, for a community and for a region, uh, that loss it's tremendous too and really has an impact a negative impact you're so right um hospital employees um on average a rural hospital over 100 employees just within the facility itself and then when you talk about the economic impact that it has to to the rural community um it's it's profound um on top of that um what people i think often don't understand is when that hospital closes in rural america almost always the physicians who work at the hospital are hospital based so if the hospital closes the doctors leave the nurses leave the pharmacists leave we're really seeing kind of an exodus in rural communities and it's been devastating there's a small town in rural georgia that lost its hospital two years ago if you look up and down main street of that town the grocery store closed, the bank closed, pretty much every business had left town. And what we're seeing often is if you don't have a hospital, uh, access to an emergency room, you know, it's very difficult to attract business, obviously. It's very difficult for families with children to stay there or retirees to stay there. We're actually seeing, unfortunately, folks that get stuck in the community and their home values decline. So what we're fighting for is not only access to care for rural patients, but we feel like we're fighting for the viability of rural communities at the same time. Yeah, I think it has more of an impact than many people realize or think about, especially on the surface. You have to, as you said, see the ripple effect that takes place. So what's the main driver of these hospital closures? Well, there's not one silver bullet that's the problem. It is a whole host of problems. But really what the big problem is is that all these smaller problems are hitting all at the same time, really causing this perfect storm. 
there's been a whole host of different cuts um, in reimbursements that the federal government provides. We have to remember that in a large, in, in many rural communities, we have populations that tend to be older per capita. They're poorer and sicker, so they're more dependent upon federal programs like Medicare and Medicaid. Those programs have been fairly significantly cut, and what we're seeing is that the is that we're finding a lot of these small rural hospitals, um, people can't afford their care or they don't have adequate coverage. They can't afford their bill, um, but it's a small rural hospital that is has to subsidize it. Hospitals used to be able to write off a lot of that bad debt, but that has been significantly cut several years ago. Um, of all the cuts that we're seeing that hit these hospitals, that one has been particularly devastating. And we should point out that not all hospital closures are in rural America, but uh, it's a pretty significant number of them are, and certainly the impact, I think, uh, is even greater because there's not a, another close-by option for people in, in many parts of rural America to go to. You're so right. You know, I, I work for an association um, that's based in Kansas City, but we have an office in Washington, D.C., because I lobby Congress and the administration. Um, and we've got, we've got, you know, six hospitals. We've got um, ten more in the, in the area, um, in the Washington, D.C. area. If one of those closes, what's going to happen? Probably not a whole lot that's going to impact patients' lives. They're either going to build another facility or another hospital absorb those patients. But what happens in rural America is when these hospitals close, they close for good. We talked about the, the physicians and other health care providers that leave. But you got to understand how devastating it can be for the community. And some of the hospitals sort of have this slow death. They often are forced to cut really critical services that are expensive, even though their patients need them. And that kind of also is the slow demise of the hospital. For example, one of the first um, services that a hospital that struggles has to give up, is forced to give up, is obstetrics. Um, and what we're seeing is really a growing obstetric shortage in rural America that is devastating for, for families, for, for expectant mothers who now have to travel distances um, over, you know, perhaps treacherous weather conditions and roads and so forth. So that's another issue that, that we really want Congress to address um, in the near future. I was going to say, what is the answer? What's the, the solution? I, mean, I guess nothing's going to fix it all overnight, yeah. but what, what could be done to help? Well, we do have a few champions, and uh, if we've got uh, just a minute, I can focus on some of the promising things that we're working on with the administration. So the USDA operates the Farm Bill, and it actually operates a lot of loan programs that I'm sure you're your, uh, your listeners are very familiar with. A lot of them have to do with water and wastewater treatment. The USDA helps rural communities who may need a little technical assistance operating the, that, the treatment dollars and, and basically to ensure that their loans can be repaid. What the administration said that it will do now is, is open a new program specifically for rural hospitals they have a portfolio where about half the loans that they have now are to rural hospitals, really to help them try to stay open. But they realize that more is probably needed for some of these um, small hospitals who may not have the technical assistance that they need. So it's very promising, we think, that the USDA is, is developing this program, and we hope to have that available by next year. 
that's something promising. On Capitol Hill, I think we've got some champions who understand that this hospital closure crisis is just intolerable. We're leaving rural America behind. On top of the closure crisis, what we have are populations where the mortality gap between rural and, and, and urban America is actually expanding. Chronic disease is greater in rural America. Life expectancies are shorter. So many different issues. So we do have some champions that are saying, you know what, we need to offer some assistance to these rural hospitals. Maybe we need, they, maybe they need some financial assistance, or maybe we need some new type of model in rural America. Maybe we don't need inpatient beds, but we sure as heck need a 24-7 emergency room. So there's kind of some exciting ideas that are going around Washington right now. We just don't want them to be too little too late, and that's really what our fight is all about. Those champions are important because so often uh, if you don't have big numbers, uh, you don't get people's attention. And a lot of times, you know, rural America kind of gets left out in some of those uh, discussions because they're looking at uh, maybe a, an urban hospital or, you know, somewhere where there are more people and, quite frankly, more votes. You're so right. That's why I can't tell you how much I appreciate you bringing attention to this important issue, Mike. It's, that's really what it's all about. When we raise this awareness, I think even the politicians understand, and, and hopefully they'll be ready to take action soon. So we, uh, you know, is the best approach then to try to, first I guess you have to stem the tide. It's hard to imagine all of a sudden we're going to start building new hospitals. That would be great in rural America, but we've got to stop the, the loss first, right? You're exactly right. Um, what we think needs to happen, and there is legislation on the House side called the Save Rural Hospitals Act, um, and it does exactly what you're saying. What we want to do is stop the bleeding. Again, there's a whole host of different problems that are causing hospitals to close, but we think the biggest impact that is causing the closures is something Congress can control and that is the reduction in reimbursement rates that they're giving hospitals, the cuts to the Medicare program that they're reimbursing rural hospitals for. These rural hospitals just can't absorb the cuts that the big urban hospitals can. If we can at least not increase, we're not asking for an increase in reimbursements, just stop the cuts that you've done to these rural hospitals, we think that's going to stabilize a lot of the system. And then maybe it won't save all rural hospitals, but then maybe we look to that new model and maybe allow some of these small hospitals to transform to a new type of treatment center so they can be there for, for the agriculture industry, for the farmers out there. No one needs access to a 24-7 emergency room like folks in, in that industry. We have to make sure that they have that access. You know, we lost a hospital in western Virginia. The average EMS transport times went from 30 to 40 minutes to two and a half to three hours. And that's wow. something that is just, you know, intolerable, and, and we can't allow that. Okay. So Maggie, this is a big we're out of time. We have ahead of us. Yeah, thanks for the update, Maggie. Appreciate oh, sure. it. Thank you so much, Mike. Take care. Maggie Elowani with the National Rural Health Association. Hey, ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of... 
Yellow? Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Corn and soybean futures rose in the overnight trade, halting a week of selling on the futures board. We are positive on this Friday. One to two cents higher in corn, four to five cents higher in soybeans. Pro Farmer Crop Scouts on the last day of their tour, estimating Iowa corn yields 5% above last year. Minnesota down 7%. Soybean pod counts both higher. The market's been under pressure this week as scouts mostly finding pretty good crops. Final report results later on Friday afternoon. USDA said that exporters sold 146,000 metric tons of soybeans to unidentified customers. The expected Friday release of the details of President Trump's farmer aid package has been pushed to Monday, according to Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue. The rule covering USDA's plans to make the aid payments and take other actions said to be still under review at the Office of Management and Budget. New crop November soybeans retreated for a fourth consecutive session in a row on Thursday. That contract closing in on a test of key chart support at 851 and a quarter. That'd be the swing low from August 13th. Sustained losses below that level could open the door to a retest of range bottom low level. 826 and a quarter. December corn extended lower on Thursday, marking the fifth consecutive session of declines, but again, trending a penny and a fraction higher on that contract an hour into Friday's trading day at 362 and a half. Livestock at the Merck, live cattle trending 45 to 65 cents lower, 15 to 40 lower in feeder cattle, but 20 to $1.20 higher lean hog futures. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we wait now till Monday to find out how the uh, USDA will slice up the $12 billion ag aid pie. It seems soybean growers will get 
probably the biggest piece of that pie. Let's talk about that with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan, thanks for joining us. What are you hearing? Hey, good morning. Glad to be on. Um, it is a big question mark. That's what we're hearing. We've had a we've had a lot of conversations with USDA, and we've asked a lot. And when you have a formal rule, and it's at the Office of Management and Budget getting approval, they're not allowed to talk about it. So you can tell them your thoughts. You can ask them a bunch of questions. But um, in terms of them being able to tell you what's in it, they can't, and we don't know. So it's a big question mark for us. Of course, the number that's been floated out there, soybeans could get $1.65 a bushel. Corn might only get a penny per bushel. Are, are you hearing those numbers, too? Uh, the, only, the only article that we read that is the one that everybody's referencing. So AgriPulse earlier this week referenced that $1.65 in the one cent. I, I would be surprised if those are the final numbers, but I'm not basing that on anything other than pure speculation. I don't know anything that uh, that anybody else doesn't know as well and so from from my standpoint i think we'll have to wait and see when it comes out and um and and it's it's a big question mark still so but if we look at a dollar 65 i mean that there's there's a lot of questions that we can still ask and and i think farmers are going to be interested in okay are the payment limits um, going to apply to what I grow this year when I look at that payment, whether it's sixty-five cents or a dollar sixty-five, and and if those payment limits do exist, is it just on that payment, or would it also be on an ARC or a PLC payment? Are those combined? And so, if we if we look at rough math of four point three billion bushels last year, and in a payment at a dollar sixty-five, you get to some big numbers really quick. But I, I think we need to caution that that one we don't know if it's going to be a dollar sixty five or something less, and two there's a whole bunch of other questions as to well is it going to be based on your production this year which we we believe it would be, and if it is what does that payment look like so um, a lot of speculation I don't want um, to come across that we would know anything at this point and and I think that there are questions out there but USDA is putting this together and they're going to come out with with a good proposal next week that we can review, hopefully next week that we can review. I'm sure you're hearing from your growers in a state like Missouri that, you know, has been hit by the drought and their production is going to be weighed down, which will, would, would, you know, give them less in aid based on that kind of a formula. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting if you are in Southwest Minnesota, parts of Southeast South Dakota, you had too much rain, and so it, it's a pretty tough crop from the farmers that I've heard from in that area. Missouri has had some droughts in, in a big chunk of the soybean growing area, and so they're saying, look, I'm, I have the, the benefit of really low prices and really low yields, which is not a good combination. And, and I, I, don't, I shouldn't laugh at that because it's not fun, but it's also the unfortunate part that if there is a payment and it's based on production for this year, um, that, that's tough. But um, I think that the administration, my perception in the conversation that we've had is that they look at this surge or this bridge payment to help farmers from the value of what they produced this year being lower than what it could have been had we not had the, the um, trade war with China. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. That takes us back to where we uh, 
really always come back to, and that is you'd rather have trade than aid. Uh, sounds like maybe something's going to get done with Mexico, but uh, also sounds like China, the big one for soybeans, uh, that's going to be a, a longer-term uh, issue, and uh, the recent talks really didn't seem to uh, bring about any breakthroughs. Not that many were expecting it, I guess, but you're always hopeful. What do you see? What do you hear there on the front uh, trade front with China? Yeah, I, Mike, you just laid it out perfectly, and that that is the big – farmers want to have the trade with China because we are exporting so much to China on the soybean front. So I know we talk about these numbers all the time, but it's billions of dollars. So of the of the soybeans we export from this country, 60% of those are going to China. And so that's one in three rows of soybeans. That's a lot of products going to one country. And when we have barriers that prevent that trade or reduce that trade, it has an immediate on-the-farm impact from a price standpoint. And so we have to... We really want to see the administration pull back some of the tariffs and allow soybeans um, to go forward. And, and we should be clear, so the United States does not have a tariff on soybeans going to China. It, it is retaliatory tariffs from China at 25% that has effectively created a halt on U.S. soybeans going to China. So, uh, But if, if the U.S. pulls back uh, the trade or the, the tariff that we have on China, China says they would pull back there. And, and we need to have some type of agreement that's going to allow U.S. soybeans to go to China because it's such a big market. But it, the umbrella is U.S. farmers depend on trade. It's important for us to have new markets that we can send our product to that's going to lift our farm gate prices. And so that is what the American Soybean Association focuses on, it's what a lot of other groups focus on, but we, we need to have trade. And so we're going to, we're going to keep going that way. And, and it, you know, to maybe tie that up quick, you mentioned NAFTA. If, if the NAFTA agreement can start to move forward, if the agreement hits with Mexico, and then maybe we add Canada, and if that can become a blueprint for future trade negotiations with other countries, that would be fantastic. Because whatever the number that comes out on Monday may be, it's a dollar sixty-five per bush or whatever it may be, that's only a short-term help. It's not going to take care of things in the long term like a, a good trade deal would. You're right. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So we, we have to think of this as a suite of, of options that the administration is going to go through that we are advocating for. And that is we need to have a bridge that's going to help farmers get from the pain where they're at right now to a better marketplace. And so that that um, mitigation payment from the administration would be very helpful for agriculture and rural communities. That's what I believe. And then as we look at the future, mid and long term, it's about finding markets. And so there's going to be a lot of effort with um, market access program and foreign market development, this idea of taking farmer dollars and cost sharing with the U.S. Department of Agriculture to expand foreign markets that's huge as well as the administration going to countries and saying hey let's sign free trade agreements let's knock down the barriers to entry and let's figure out how we can get u.s products u.s agricultural products into those other markets all right we're not too far away from labor day and right after that they're going to get back at it on the farm bill what's your emphasis from a soybean perspective on what you want in this final bill Farm Bill is all about risk management, so we have to have strong crop insurance. That's important. 
We would love to see market access and foreign market development. We'd love to see that bumped up um, and, and increased so that we can work on, on foreign markets. And then this, the price loss coverage and agricultural risk coverage or the ARC and PLC program, those are important to be maintained in there. So it's, it's a risk legislation. There's a lot of other aspects to it, but uh, crop insurance, conservation, foreign market development, those are, those are three big areas that we need to maintain and improve on. Remains to be seen. Can they get it done in September? <laughs> but, that, but, but that would be a boost as well, just to have some certainty there, something in place, uh, rather than the uncertainty of can they get it done then by the end of the year, and, or does it extend, yeah. or you know, just some certainty. Exactly. Yep, exactly. That, 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 is, that could send a really strong message from Congress and, and the president, if you were to sign it, to farmers that we know there's a lot of uncertainty out there. We're going to give you one, one safety net, one risk management tool. We're going to give you the policy tools that do create some certainty for the next five years. That would be great to see. When you talk with your farmer leaders with the American Soybean Association, what are you hearing? What's their top issue? What is it farm bill? Is it trade? What is it? Well, it's trade, I think. Um, I, that is uh, it, it's what everybody talks about every time that I talk to them. And, and that's the, the topic du jour. So that is, that, that is a really big concern right now. And it's frustrating. Farmers are frustrated about the situation. And, and they want to see movement. They want to see some resolution to it. And, and that's what we keep conveying. But we aren't too far away from farmers saying, hey, the other, the other, we have to have a farm bill. Like that risk management, I'll give our farmer leaders a lot of credit. They're thinking about that topic right now in terms of trade, but also thinking of risk management and how does the farm bill, how is that going to impact us in two or three years? And then they're also, I was at a meeting this week, and there was a lot of conversation about the renewable fuel standards and saying biofuels mm-hmm. is is an important part of a diversified fuel portfolio in the U.S., and it's also a really good market for us domestically to be able to move our beans to. And so I I will give our farmer leaders a lot of credit, and that's bubbling up from all over the countryside, that they're saying this is trade, this is farm bill, this is biofuels. All of that is, is helping us manage our risk or create markets or find new markets that's going to increase our price at the farm gate. Ryan, always good to talk with you. Thanks for your time. Hey, not a problem. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Take care. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. So Monday we'll find out about this ag aid package. Um, it was AgriPulse that was reporting that that soybean number could be around $1.65 per bushel. Corn would be at a penny a bushel. We'll talk with Spencer Chase with AgriPulse about that story and the reaction to it and what they're hearing now as we wait for the announcement on Monday. That and more coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow, and here's my best offer ever. That's right. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Hey, Ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, Waterhemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. If weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, Waterhemp, you're looking kind of... Yellow? Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, 
publicity and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so as we wait for the announcement Monday on the details of the Ag Aid Package, uh, about everyone is referencing the AgriPulse story of uh, could be around $1.65 per bushel for soybeans, $1 per bushel uh, for corn. Let's talk with Spencer Chase with AgriPulse. Spencer, uh, a lot of people talking about that about that story and wondering how close the numbers may actually be to those. Right, and something that was important to note and something that uh, that my colleagues uh, Bill Thompson and Sarah Wines uh, noted in that story is that these numbers are uh, what uh, the Department of Agriculture submitted to the White House Office of Management and Budget. And uh, OMB can and uh, frequently does change things before, uh, before sending them back to the actual department, which then publishes them. So there is a chance the White House Office of Management and Budget could change these figures, but uh, we do know that this is, what, uh, this is what was considered at one point in time by the Trump administration. Yeah, you, your article didn't say those were the final numbers, just those are what have been submitted. So we'll wait and see on Monday, but pretty safe to say soybeans are going to get the big piece of the pie. Right, and, and uh, honestly, that, I mean, that was to be expected to some extent. Soybeans were among, uh, or were among the first commodities to really be impacted by, by the trade dispute. Uh, corn to a much, much lesser extent. And ex-Secretary Sonny Perdue saying in, uh, in New York yesterday that uh, dairy will also be, uh, be a pretty big beneficiary. He said uh, maybe to the same extent as soybeans. And so uh, obviously we're still looking for, uh, for full details to come from the department, but it'll be interesting to see how they handle different commodities in this trade package. Yeah, with dairy, could it be more purchases of, uh, of commodity or, you know, something like that? It'd be interesting to see how they handle it with dairy. Right. There, I mean, there's a couple different things they could do because they do, uh, it is kind of a three-pronged approach when they initially announced the trade package and said there were going to be more details yet to come. What they did announce is that there was going to be uh, aid going directly to producers as well as some uh, programming that they were going to do wherein they were going to buy these commodities for use in the USDA school lunch program. And so that could be a possible avenue for dairy as well. Again, we're, you know, you and I and everyone else really is kind of in the same boat here. We're just waiting on uh, the administration to, uh, to inevitably make the announcement. Also waiting on some NAFTA news. We thought we might have something uh, with the U.S. and Mexico by now, but it looks like that will be into next week, too. Right. We were expecting something from the administration and from the government of Mexico, uh, kind of to uh, a piecemeal NAFTA agreement. There was some... Uh, 
some wondering uh, what's what what of agriculture is going to be addressed through the Mexican agreement because uh, a lot of uh, the United States issues in terms of agriculture trade were with Canada through NAFTA specifically with dairy language and some some issues with uh, feed grading of of wheat and things like that but uh, we were expecting to see uh, an announcement of some kind of a handshake agreement on Thursday uh, Thursday as we all know has come and gone <laughs> and uh, we are still uh, still waiting for that new uh, new bit of information from the administration in terms of how they're going to pursue uh, completed NAFTA talks whether or not they're trying to get Canada on board and maybe announce an agreement at once rather than announcing a Mexican agreement and then announcing a Canadian agreement and somehow piecing the two together that obviously remains to be seen but it's not looking like we're going to see any news on that frontier this week you're sitting there in DC which is always a political firestorm going uh, uh, what kind of uh, attention and coverage do these issues ag issues get with all that else that's going on there well, this is a major administration initiative, and obviously this was a very busy news week. I think Tuesday, uh, yeah, I believe it was Tuesday. It seems like that was two months ago now. But Tuesday, within one hour, had uh, the Manafort verdict, the Cohen plea deal, and all kinds of news coming out, one of the newsiest hours of, of my lifetime. But a lot of folks still paying pretty big attention to this uh, to this trade dispute. I know when it was initially announced, that the department had a 12 billion dollar aid package that led a lot of uh, a lot of the newspapers it was front page news there it was on a lot of the cable newscasts uh, this is a lot of money being thrown around by the administration and uh, keep in mind president trump had trade issues as one of his hallmark issues as a candidate and so this is an opportunity for the administration to kind of make good on campaign promises or it's an opportunity for the administration to uh, have some issues on making good on those campaign promises. Really, there's a lot of people watching this outside of kind of the traditional farmers and ranchers and, uh, and ag- agricultural publications that, uh, that you and I know so well, Mike. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of other folks keeping an eye on this as well. Well, speaking of campaign promises, a big one, maybe the number one for farmers going into the election was get rid of the old WOTUS rule, come up with a new and better one. That's proving to be difficult, uh, but they're still working on it. It's proving to be difficult, but not insurmountable. Uh, the agency has taken action, uh, and uh, obviously we've seen the court ruling that's uh, making it the law of the land in 24 or, 24 or 26 states. The, the number escapes me right now. There's been so much news on this front. But uh, we do know that uh, uh, the administration would also have to enforce the rule. Uh, there's no... Uh, no rule or no news on how they're going to implement that enforcement, and so that could be an opportunity for the administration to slow walk things to some extent and then eventually move forward with the replacement rule that they're planning on offering here at some point in the in the very near future. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to ask uh, Acting Administrator Wheeler about this shortly after he took over for former Administrator Scott Pruitt and uh, whether or not there would be any changes in the EPA's plans on this, and he was made it very clear to me that... Uh, the administration is still the Trump administration, and so that's, uh, that's going to be kind of a similar guiding light here as they look to replace the waters of the U.S. rule. All right, Spencer, thanks a lot. It uh, looks like it'll be another interesting week next week. Um, hopefully we'll get some uh, news, uh, not only in the aid package, but maybe on NAFTA and who knows what else. seems like every day something pops up new. Uh, well, we're getting closer to that farm bill, so that, that'll, be, that'll dominate a lot of our discussion in, in September, won't it? We certainly don't lack for content these days, Mike. <laughs> There's always yeah, something sure. going on. And uh, the Farm Bill Conference Committee announcing that it's going to have its first meeting on the 5th. Uh, that'll, uh, whether or not they'll actually uh, accomplish something in that meeting, to be blunt, or whether or not that'll be a series of opening statements from the conferees, uh, that'll, that'll remain to be seen. But uh, Leader McConnell still, uh, st- 
still saying this week that he expects a, a farm bill to move in the month of September. So uh, congressional leadership on both the House and Senate side interested in moving that bill here before the current one expires at the end of September. One thing we know for sure, there'll be a lot of speeches made. That's, that, that you can count on for sure when right, you're talking right. about Congress. <laughs> All right, Spencer, thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. Yep, same to you, Mike. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse communications all right that wraps it up for today remember next week now on monday we're going to get a washington update with iowa senator charles grassley and then also next week forest farm progress show in boone iowa that's tuesday wednesday and thursday of next week i'll be broadcasting from the show each of those days next tuesday wednesday thursday right now they're dealing with some uh, uh weather issues in boone iowa as they try to get the final touches put on the uh the farm progress show but uh weather not looking too bad for next week for those attending the show we hope a lot of you will be able to do that we hope to see you there well thanks for joining us today and for another week have a great weekend everyone i'm mike adams this is aoa adams on agriculture